Welcome to Series 7 of the Dig Podcast and I am your host Caroline O'Neill. In this series I am talking to business owners, entrepreneurs and experts who are sharing their journey and preparing us for the future. What does the working world look like in the future? It changes every week, every day, every hour. So tune in each week as I ask my guests how they are future-proofing their business. Welcome to the Dig Podcast. Today, I am speaking to Una O'Hagan. Now, this is the second time that Una has joined the Dig Podcast, and thankfully, we're in a more positive space than the first time. Um, I interviewed Una when it was like the depths of COVID, and I sent her a message on social media and said, Una, I like your business. So she is, um, we're going to hear all about her now, which is the managing director of the Mars Pharmacy Group, which has nine pharmacies across Dublin. And I remember they were doing such innovative things during lockdown. I was like, Una, would you come onto the podcast and try and help other business owners about how to embrace this terrible time that we're in? Thank God we're not in those times anymore, but Mars Pharmacy is just on another level, everything that they do. Um, online is where I see it all because I've actually never visited any other stores, but the presence, the the collaborative approach that they do is everything I know that the people on the Dig podcast needs to hear. So Una has came the whole way from Dublin to the beautiful Waterman house that we're sitting in now and we had our lunch first, of course, we're always thinking of our bellies, but we got a good chat before we came on and we're going to talk about all things um, collaboration, supporting others on your journey and um, how they, excuse me, how they are now um, for the ninth year running um, the best team. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the right total, the right title. Ireland's best managed company for nine years. That's some, that's some achievement. We want to know how that happens. So um, Una mentors women in the world of work um, through the Going for Growth program, which I see a lot about online. And she champions people in business, but she also just champions people. And you can't forget about that either. We're business people, but we're also living our lives. And we can see that in her. And she always gives actionable advice. And that's what we want on the Dick Podcast. We want to know how to do it. We want it. We don't want to hear how great someone else is. We, we like that story, but we want to know how we can put that into practice. And Una's so good at sharing our knowledge. So um, she's here beside me today. Thank you for coming, Una. Well, thank you for the invite again. Yes, no, and it's good to see you face to face. Yeah, much better in person. I know. So we did it on that old Zoom that we're just all like yeah. so consumed by at the minute. So yeah. it's great to be able to be back to the way things used to be yeah. and not to have to talk about COVID anymore. But... Yeah, so you know, I did a wee introduction there and when you were on the first podcast, you did tell us about that kind of early days of in the pharmacy world where you had this vision of having a pharmacy. Tell us a wee bit about that again, just for people who didn't hear that first one, right. how you came to have Mars. All right, okay. So I come from Tyrone. I know, you know. Do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hence why I could not ever refuse you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so came to Dublin to study pharmacy in Trinity and at that time it was four years and four years in college and then a year under the guidance of tutor and um, so you chose are you going to do your uh, intern year in community pharmacy hospital pharmacy or in pharmaceutical company and at that time I was working on our living on Bagot Street in a you know with four other girls from Tyrone and uh, we were having the time of our life but anyway the closest pharmacy was Mars Pharmacy on Bagot Street so I used to pop into him to borrow books reference books for college and stuff and one day I asked Pierce, who was the owner, would he be my tutor for the, that final year? Because we were told in college that that week, you need to find a tutor. And there was a big scramble for like, where mm -hmm. are you going to find? So he said yes. And I started working for him in Marsh Pharmacy. It had been his pharmacy and previous his mum ran it. So it'd been a pharmacy since the 1920s. 
Um, so I went to work for him for a year. Um, he was my tutor. And honestly, Caroline, from the very first minute that I've worked in there, I dreamt of owning it, you know, because big high ceilings, loads of heritage, really cool community. Even though you're in the heart of Dublin 4, it felt like a village. It felt like the plum, like where I'm from. Yeah, that's Glumbridge for people who don't know, yeah. <laughs> and for, you know, it just had that lovely feeling, that lovely connection. So uh, on my last day, I asked him if he was ever selling, would he let me know? And, um, and four years later, then I got a call from him. He said that he was selling, he had an offer on the table from a multinational, and, but he was tossing and turning about it because he wanted to keep it in Irish hands. And he said to me, at that time it was punts we were working in, the euro hadn't come into Ireland, so it was two million punt um, that he had been offered. And he said, if you can come up and save money, I'll sell it to you. So I didn't have any money, <laughs> zero. Um, and we're not from a wealthy family. Um, my mum and dad work hard, but we're, you know, we wouldn't have that kind of money. Uh, so, but I was absolutely gung-ho that I was going to get this money. Um, I was going to you know, find somebody that would support me. And after lots of no's and lots of rejects, I finally came across two gentlemen in a bank who said that they would give me the money and my dream came true. And I guess since then, it was a very traditional pharmacy model, you know, bricks and mortar pharmacy. Um, but I knew that there was huge potential in it. And I guess in the last 20 years, we've, as you say, we've grown it to nine pharmacies in different kind of communities, all in Dublin based. So some in a hospital, in other kind of community areas, more high street pharmacies were in underneath the Google building. So it's a very different customer profile in, across those nine stores. But also then in 2013, um, well, 2014 actually is when it went live, but 2013 we started to work on an online store purely because our customers were always saying to us, you know, if you had a click and collect model, it would be so much more convenient because some of our stores are in very busy, would have been office area at the time, like, you know, under Google, in Baggett Street is a very professional customer there in the banks and solicitor firms. And they were very time poor at lunchtime because they were queuing for a sandwich and they were coming in and queuing for us as well. And then maybe we wouldn't have the product and that was just wasting their time. So they had, so we're always serving our customers, I guess. And they had, there was a huge amount of people coming back in 2013 saying, if you had this, this would be really good, you know, because people would ask, what could we do better? And um, so we set up online really to solve that problem for those customers. So it was supposed to be a click and collect model. But of course, then once we set it up, um, people would hear about it or see about it because how we got our message out was social media. So before that, we didn't have any social media presence. So we started to take into social because we couldn't afford, you know, going on radio or TV or anything like that. So we had to just be a little bit more agile with how we were getting the message out. And that's why we set up our social media presence back then. And we tried loads of different platforms, Snapchat in the day and mm -hmm. whatnot. And, um, but once we started talking about it and talking about the products and the services that we did, then customers from Donegal and Cork would be getting in contact saying, you know, how do we get this product? So very quickly it became fully transactional. Um, and, and it's just growing now. So it's a huge part of our business. We really engage and what we're trying to do on social really is to build that community feeling um, on social media so that we're having conversations backwards and forwards. And, if, you know, we're highly engaged. and We listen to our customers and see what actually what they want um, and respond to that, I guess. So it's a great way to actually keep your finger on the pulse and find out actually what matters to people, and particularly through COVID. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was a lot of fear and we were trying to alleviate, I suppose, a lot of concern at that time and be a, a voice of calm because there was so much misinformation going out there as well. Um, you know, from tweets from 
apparently the French president said not to take ibuprofen and lots of in that's right do you remember, remember that, that? Yeah. so we're just trying to bring trusted information to mm -hmm. that audience and and in doing that I suppose the online business has grown you know so we have I suppose our most loyal customers are from the length and breadth of Ireland um, as well as from the north here but also we ship to about 70 countries worldwide now um, from Dublin which is you know who would ever thought that we would be doing this, you know? So, so it's, I suppose we moved from that traditional pharmacy model to really looking after customers all over the world and, and, and offering a very digital experience in doing so. Very forward thinking for that industry so early. I mean, you were doing yeah. it before a lot of other people yeah. had embraced that. And even before COVID as well, yeah. you were starting to embrace it. Yeah. And everybody gets a Mars bar, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Does everybody still get a Mars bar? Well, so for some customers who were a real health product, we kind of sort of think maybe the Mars bar is not appropriate. Okay. Most customers get a Mars bar. And that purely came about because you spell our name M-E-A-G-H-E-R-S, so nobody could pronounce it. Meagers, me Mehers, whatever. We called everything. And our customer service team one day I was like just helping them and every second customer they were saying no 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 it's Mars like in the as in the chocolate bar and and they were like oh right Mars or whatever so and then I was Musgraves one day and I seen all these Mars but I went it's gonna be good I stick into a box because Mars or whatever and get mm -hmm. people to pronounce our name absolutely properly. and that's why I came and back. I said hi I always even though I, I I don't have a Mars bar in in my package I always remember that that's how you say your name and it helps me, you know, so much. So very good marketing without intention at the no start. No intention. <laughs> um, and like all that growth in a night from that one vision of having a pharmacy to nine. Yeah. That, like I'm sure that hasn't came without stress. Oh yeah, no, listen, there's been lots of ups and downs. It hasn't been like plain sailing at all. There's been many, many downs as well. Like I suppose biggest massive thing for us at the beginning was actually a financial crisis and, and you know when when the country was on its knees at that time there I suppose pharmacy as was all healthcare providers were, were looked at in terms of their fee model um, and so the IMF kind of rolled into town and and questioned government spending in the south and looked at all public sector spending and pharmacy was one part of that and our model was completely cut with, I think, 21 days notice. So that was probably the biggest bump in my road, like um, all along. And that was basically because the the type of model that we had in, in, in the south of Ireland, you either have a medical card, so it's a GMS scheme, or you pay for your medicines, or there's this other scheme called the drugs payment scheme. And, and that it's capped at a certain level and after that um, you pay your, well, the government pay. And so basically what the government did was look at all of the fees and reevaluate all of that. And because I had a lot of customers who were in this category, it was the worst affected. And so therefore we had a huge cut, like with 21 days notice, I think our business lost nearly half a million in profitability overnight. So we needed to really reassess and see, you know, what were we going to do about this? Because at that time, Lots of people who were working for me, Caroline, at that time, they actually became the, the breadwinner of their family because maybe their partner or their husband was working in the financial services sector or another sector and everybody was being let go. Mm -hmm. All the jobs were being cut and everything. Um, and they were coming to me saying, oh my God, I'm so glad that I have my job because I am paying the mortgage now. So and that's I, a lot of pressure on you oh, then. I felt immense pressure, not only from this business that you build up that becomes another child, you know, that you don't, that you want to, you know, survive. So obviously I wanted to make sure that the business was still, you know, 
fit it for purpose and that you know it would continue to grow after all the work that you put into it so there's that piece but actually the piece about our people saying all of that and me knowing oh my god I have to solve this because so many people are depending on me so at that point I kind of thought okay well we really need to survey our customers and find out okay people still need healthcare, people still need pharmacy so there must be something else we can do to make this work and that's what we did. At that time, we did a huge amount of surveying. We asked a lot of customers, did focus groups, everything. And the big resounding thing that came through on all of that, and the one thing that kept on coming up, and our teams would say it to us as well, saying people would go to other pharmacies, and particularly multinationals, and they might be buying their three for twos and all of the rest, right, of shampoos or whatever it was that they were buying. But they would come to us for their prescriptions, and they'd come to us for their medical advice. And no matter how many focus groups I was involved in, people would say, you know, but we don't come for you for the prescriptions necessarily. We come to you to stay well. Okay. We come to you in order to, so we don't get sick. And that was the bit that made me think, actually, what a pharmacy really is, and this is what I truly believe in my heart of hearts, is actually it's not really, shouldn't be a place of just when you get sick that you visit a pharmacy. We have such a wealth of knowledge as pharmacists and as healthcare providers, that we actually, if we share that, Caroline, if we explain to people what is actually going on in their body, how they can prevent getting sick in the first place, then actually we can make, I suppose, interventions much earlier. And so therefore we can actually prevent them having to come in in the first instance with a prescription. So we have really, way back then in 2008, decided actually we're gonna change our whole direction and we're gonna become the pharmacy business that really embraces wellness and really tries to educate around what you can do to stay well. And we're gonna try and capture patients at a much earlier stage, educate them, explain what's in our heads, which we think everybody knows, but mm -hmm. nobody knows. Explain what's going on so that they can actually become empowered, I guess. It's about empowerment. Explain to them what's going on, because then once people understand, then they know what to do. They have choice then, do you know? The Dig Podcast needs your help. Did you know that we have thousands of people download the podcast each week, but still people haven't subscribed or followed on the channel. So I'm asking you, if you listen on Apple or Spotify, if you could hit follow. If you listen on YouTube, then hit that subscribe button. It means that I can reach out to even more guests, bring even more actionable advice that can help you in your business. And you can, now when you're explaining that to me, I can now on, see how that's underpinned your strategy on social, especially. Absolutely, yeah. Because if you, if for anyone that doesn't follow um, Una, I'll, I'll put her uh, handle in the show notes and Mars Pharmacy um, handle and the link and all, but what you do across the digital social, um, the digital world of the social platforms is that. And I think that a lot of business owners struggle, perhaps even more so in a, the professionals and in inverted commas, struggle to see how they can give their message out on social and still remain in the professional capacity. I, I would mentor a lot of businesses that are like, mm, I don't think it's right for us. I don't think our place is there. And, I'm, okay. and I would very much be an advocate, no, your audience is there. It's how, how are you going to give your message out? So you're brilliant example of that and that so it's about education really for you I, I say that to my team all the time we're actually like teachers teachers we're educators we go to college for five years now it's an integrated program now as pharmacists 
we learn so much. We are the experts in medicine when it comes to medicine. Like we do so much more pharmaceutical medicine drug trading than say doctors do. So we are the experts in, in medicine, but we have all of this inside our heads. And the big thing with pharmacists, which breaks my heart every day, is when I see how pharmacists are caught up in the administration. You know, you have to do this on this platform, you have to scan this, you have to do whatever, count these, do do. That's not our skill set. Our skill set is talking to patients and using that clinical knowledge that we have to actually help solve their problems. So when I walk into our stores or any pharmacy and I see the pharmacist in the back and all these patients at the counter, I just think, what a waste of skills and knowledge. Whenever, if you just come out here and talk to these patients, look at the difference you could make. So what we try to do is, and that's our whole purpose, is to really empower our customers and our followers, and when I say customers, I mean like our digital community as well, with the information that they need, they need to feel empowered to actually make the best decision for them. And it's not like we're forcing anything down them, because I don't believe that in that. I hate that myself as a, as a consumer. But I do know that if I don't understand something, I can't make the right decision. So it's actually about education. It's about actually explaining what's going on in our body. And our bodies are very complex, you know. And people, you know, when you think of female health and, you know, we go through cycles, you know, from puberty. And then you're trying, you know, going through a pregnancy or a fertility journey and then a pregnancy journey. And then perimenopausal, now me, menopausal, whatever. It's very complex even for females in particular to even understand what's going on in your body. And how that all interacts with other aspects of your body because your hormones control everything. So... You know, if I don't understand that, being in the professional medical world, then how is does you know, how does anybody? They don't. they don't. They don't. Exactly. And and like the, I know that there's solicitors listen to the podcast. There's um, estate agents listen to the podcast. The traditional business that you wouldn't that, as I said, couldn't can't find their place. Some of them on online but that's if they if they listen to this and focus on their profession and teach us teach us what you do like I just sold my house mm -hmm. um you know and we're building a new house the estate agent world has opened up to me now because I was like starting to find out like what what, what how do we do you this it's all and work. Yeah. it was very hard to find there's some people are really active some people are not how do we what is what does it mean whenever it's like you know yeah. taxes on it and stuff and you know waiting on someone's mortgage I needed that information and you know I, yeah. I I started to think why is more people not doing this so I think if people are listening and they're like well Una's a pharmacist what, what is that to me I think that model applies across all the industries yeah well I think like when you work in a profession you know you're so tunnel visaged and on that particular profession you think everybody knows what you know you know because it becomes just that's what you do day to day and then you're in this little bubble or whatever and you assume I even sometimes kind of go there's life fault moments in my life where I'm kind of go to patients but you know you do do it and they go sorry what do you, what do you mean that and I'm going like so you don't know like even we were talking about the microbiome downstairs yes. beforehand and about these bacteria whatever People are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, there's bacteria inside me. You know, like, there's more bacteria inside you than there's human cells. And they're like, what? I know. And I think everybody knows that I because know. that's the world I work in. So it's the same whether you're an accountant or a solicitor or a state agent, like you say. Because you work in that, you kind of start assuming, like, everybody knows what you know. But you're not. You're Nobody an expert knows. in the field. Mm -hmm. I'm an expert in the medical, healthcare, drug field, pharmaceuticals. Um, and I've, as a result of that, because I really want to take that proactive approach, right? 
it's not necessarily talking about the drugs that actually can solve whether it be diabetes or you know cholesterol or whatever i want to catch patients earlier because i believe actually patients deserve better i believe we all deserve better and if COVID taught us anything all we really care about is our health and the health of the mm. people around us so if you can take preventative measures so that you don't end up on the diabetic medicine or the cholesterol medicine or whatever that's a sweet spot that's what we were, are trying to do. So we're really in the business of education. We're really in the business of explaining to people what's, you know, what they need to be looking after at the earliest stage possible mm -hmm. so that they can feel empowered by that knowledge to actually make the right decisions themselves, the right decisions themselves about whether they need to get screened for something or if it's, they take a particular supplement or if they change their lifestyle or if they do this for their sleep, what impact that will make further down the line, if that makes sense. It does. And what I, um, in my head, know that everyone's thinking that is listening is, right, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna adapt that for my business. What strategy do I adopt now on social social media specifically to get my... Because that's where our customers are. They're all consuming social media every night, whether it be on LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok, Facebook. They're there. They're watching that instead of TV these days. So we, yeah. we need to be there. So you have... A, I see a strategy on social for Mars... Um, in relation to how you're connecting with your audience. It's not just you coming on every day. There's loads of different things you're doing, Una, that I see like live videos and um, collaborative posts and um, inviting people onto your platform. Talk to us about that, like how you're mixing yeah. it up. Well, I think any, my, I'm a firm believer in collaboration and partnership because whilst I might be an expert in um, drugs and pharmacy, that's my skill set, but I recognize my skill set ends at a certain level. And then I need to work with other people to bring the bigger picture to our customers. Because at the end of the day, we do all of this to make sure our customers, to support them in their journey to wellness. That's, that's our absolute purpose. So there's some times that we need to work with other people in order to bring that skill set to the fold. So you'll see us working with GP colleagues, dermatologists, gastroenterologists, um, endocrinologists, doctors and dietitians, nutritionists, anybody. So depending on the topic that we want to talk about, we will work with any experts in that field to bring a much more holistic approach to and would you would you figure out, I'm trying to think of like a content plan. Do you say, right, for one month we're going to talk all about sleep or yeah. is it one week we talk about sleep? Do you, are you that strategic in how you do it? Like have you a plan or yeah. what way do you do that? Yeah, yeah. And it's usually geared towards what's going on in the big bad world at that time. Now, trending. Yeah, kind of yeah. Well, not even trending. So we know like, for example, in October it's female health. There's a big focus on menopause. Yeah. So we know that we're booked in, actually coming up to Newry to do a menopause Um conference then. So we have a lot of content around that. We were asked to participate in a lot of events and and we run our own events as well. We ask other experts to come and work with us. So we will have a big focus say for, in October for female health. Um, for November, it'll be another topic, men's health in the big bad world. Out there, we know men's health month is November. We know that there's going to be a lot of uh, talk around that. So obviously in November, we're going to talk about men's health. So we're always forward thinking well, how can we do this better? So before that, we will be asking our customers, what else do you want to know when it comes to female health? Is it all about menopause? Is there anything else in female health? People come back to us and say, actually, I suffer from endometriosis. It took me eight years to get diagnosed. And then we're like, okay, why is that the case then? Can somebody answer that question? Tell me the pathway of diagnosis of endometriosis. So we go to, you know, 
an expert in that field and we kind of go explain that to us and then we understand that and then so now we know well this is what we have to explain now to patients who may have endometriosis or PCOS or fertility might be a thing so we'll start asking the questions beforehand to find out what our customers actually want and how do you ask that question? Is there a specific way you collate that or get that information yeah, in? Yeah, yeah. so we will ask it in store. We will ask it online. A digital is the best because you can put up a question box or a poll. We're often doing that to get that information. Tell us what else you want to know. Um, or we have um, a, a huge database of customers now, both online and also on our loyalty program in store called M+. So we talk to them all of the time. So we're not always just pushing out messages, oh, there's a sale on and buy this or whatever. So very often we'll send out a message saying, you know, we recognize that, you know, you come to us for gut health. Tell us what else you'd like to know about that. You know, why, why, why are you taking this product or whatever? Is it because you have a, a problem, they might say, I, well, I've got Crohn's and this, and I'd love to know X and Y and Z, whatever. Now we know what our customers want. So true. So we're using, I suppose, the information we have, not just in digital, but actually in store, on our email database, whatever, to collect those insights from our customers so that whatever we put out, it has to be relevant. It has to be valuable. Uh, like, there's no point just always pushing out stuff just for the sake of it. Oh, I have to have a content plan, three posts a day, blah, blah, blah. And no thought put into it. It has to be thought put into it because we want to... I suppose whatever we put out there, we want it to be of added value, really, you know, because a lot of work goes into creating that content. So Absolutely. you might as well create content that actually is going to resonate. I know. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost. They don't know what to post about. But actually, it's no different than someone coming into your pharmacy and asking you a question. Actually, whenever you're thinking about what to deliver on social, what does your customer actually want to t- what are they asking you but you need to find out too so how do you find out think of all those ways so if you're listening to the podcast are you connecting with them on email are you asking them when you come into your bricks and mortar store um, are you putting up the polls get the information and then use that to guide your content right exactly. the best thing for me is you know whenever I go around the stores and chat to customers um, I, I, you know I'd be just serving customers and the first thing like I'll often think you know when you when you have it in person so much better yeah? so much better um, so Somebody might come in for something for sleep, and then when you're talking about that, go okay. And you know, is it trouble falling asleep or staying asleep? And then you know, in all of that conversation, you'll get little nuggets and go, "There's something in that. There's something in that. That customer is saying that we must do some content that actually talks about that." Or somebody come in. They, people don't come in and say, "My immune system is on," you know, shocking, and I think I'm vitamin D deficient. You know, people don't do that. They come in and say, "I'm exhausted." Okay, well, if you're lacking in energy. What could be the causes of that? And then, like, so you're peeling it back all of the time to find out actually what is the true reason behind this, and then you you, you can produce content that's of value then to actually address that question. But unless you're asking the questions, you can get the information. So it's about engagement with customers. Uh, exactly, face to face and online, and the face to face is the best, as you say. But I suppose there's a lot of online businesses listening that actually don't have that face to face contact. But you're in a, on a winner when you're on social because you can connect with them instantly as well. Absolutely, you can have conversations in real time. Yeah, and it's you know, and it actually is more efficient online because you can do it quickly. Yes. Whereas you know, when you do it in person, it just takes more time. You do get much more quality information back, I think, because then depending on the answer, you can ask another question, whatever. But that's collating all of that. So it takes more time, but it's much richer data. 
but online you can still do it absolutely yes and there is that old um mindset to you know of spend all that time on um creating content and on social and stuff and there's no money in the till you know that old traditional mindset of you put all that effort in what are you getting back but it's a longer game isn't it when you're doing this and well it's like why are you doing it in the first place exactly like we're doing like you know you have to be bought into a higher purpose really and what we want and what all the people who work for me and, and Mars do, we want to make a difference in people's lives. So if you're committed to that goal and that purpose, then, you know, you have to show up and, and do that. It doesn't happen like overnight. So what can we do to add value to actually make sure our customers live a, a healthier, longer life? Mm-hmm. Well, we can help them educate. And if, I, if we said we did podcasts, we were talking about that beforehand, six key topics we did a podcast six episodes on those key things that we get asked all the time about because they're a deeper dive into it but there's a whole other series of topics that we get asked about all of the time that we need to do more rich information on um, because i firmly believe once people understand what's going on in their bodies mm-hmm. or what potentially is going on in their bodies then they want to do something about it we all want to live half happier and healthier lives yes uh, and the big thing Sometimes I find when people go to specialists, whether it be a gastroenterologist or a dermatologist, whatever, again, those um, experts are specialists in that particular field. But what the beauty of us in pharmacy is we can see all those aspects of somebody's health, you know? So if somebody's coming into us about sleep, for example, and they're coming in to get something to help them sleep, when you actually talk to them, it could be something to do with their hormones. But if they're going to their GP just for something to sleep, they may not get to the really root cause of it. Or if you're going to a gastroenterologist about whatever is going on in your gut, actually, you may not be realising that's connected to some other part of your body. The beauty that we have is we know our customers, we talk to them, we're connected to them. They tell us things sometimes they don't even tell their doctor. And and we can see, actually, join all the dots, I guess. Yes. And so we can talk about how one part of your health can actually have... a an impact in another part of your health. Like your gut and your mental health is connected, your gut and your skin health is connected. But if you're going just treating your skin without treating your gut, then yes, you might solve the skin temporarily, but actually the root cause is not treated. You're very passionate, aren't you? <laughs> well, I'm passionate about health. You are, and, and yeah. that passion comes across. Like when you have experts come on to the social platforms, like sometimes you do like a takeover where people come on and you do like a split screen, like a lives. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of fear around people putting themselves out there online, you know, especially yeah. business owners, accountants, solicitors, hairdressers, um, beauticians. Everyone started their business because they loved that business. Mm-hmm. There wasn't many people that started their business because they wanted to be online content creators. So there's this barrier there at the moment for people because they're afraid of putting themselves out there. And I just hear it a lot when I'm mentoring. And well, I know I wouldn't be doing a live video and I wouldn't do... And, I would say to them, well, you're doing your customer a disservice then because that's like someone coming into your shop and you saying, I'm not going to tell you what you need to know. Mm. So I try to help them through that. But what would you say to people, you know, about that? Like, did you ever feel like that when you first started to put your business out there online? And how did you overcome it? Or maybe you didn't feel like that? No, I did. I suppose when it was, in particular for lives, you don't know what questions you're going to get asked. So the big fear is, what if I'm asked something that I, I can't answer? Yeah. That's the biggest fear because then you feel like oh, I'm going to look like a fool or I'm not going to look like a fraud or whatever. But like, you know, people come into the pharmacy every day and I have to say to them, actually, I'm going to have to look that up. I'm not too sure about that. So it's no different online. Um, it's OK. You just have to be honest, true, transparent. It's, you're not trying, you're not going to say something that's incorrect. Um, but if you're asked a question that you can't answer, 
I always say, and I often say it in lives that anybody watches me, there's a question come in here, I'm actually not too sure, would you send me a DM about it and I'll check that and whatever. Does this drug interact with this or whatever? And, and sometimes it's brand new drugs. So, you know, there's new drugs come out all of the time. So I don't think that that one little thing should keep you back from from your overall purpose here. So my overall purpose is trying to help and educate customers. So why would I let one, the fear of one person asking me one question that I could not answer hold me back from the, the positives and the opportunities of actually helping so many others. So yeah, it can be terrifying going on whenever you just don't know what's going to happen. I'm more terrified actually about the technology and some connection will go or whatever and I'm in the mid middle of it and I'm chatting into the ether. <laughs> That's more what actually I get terrified about. I suppose I just feel like it's like having a conversation like me and you are having yeah. now. Like having a conversation like you would have with a customer at the counter. You know, you don't know what the customer is going to say, but that doesn't mean say you don't go out and serve a customer. You know? That's what I always say to yeah. people. And I take it for granted. Sometimes what I do, um, you know, whenever I go out to do, um, like say I'm working with a business and I want to turn the camera on them and I see the, the color drain and <laughs> I automatically think, what's wrong with you? Like, I mean, why would you not want to tell if 100,000 people how deadly you are? But the fear can actually... Um, and then I try to be more compassionate about that because actually I've been doing this for so long I shouldn't assume that other people do but I always try to say you know you're doing yourself at a service here you, can, yeah. you know we should be proud like proud. If, you're, if you're passionate about what you do I think and it's you, like your true passion like I think you owe it to yourself to, sh to tell people about what you're actually passionate about and for me it is health and for you it, it's the work that you do but it can be terrifying, I suppose, online because you just don't know. And there's so many people who are always trying to take you down. Once you stick your head above the parapet, of course, people are just going to say. So how do you deal with that, Dana? Well, do you know what? That's with a big topic compassion. at the minute. With compassion. With, okay. Yeah, with compassion, because I do think that a lot of people, you know, they've stuff going on in their own lives. Yeah. And I always think that people who, you know, send and I, say, I don't get a lot of it, thankfully. Yes. Um, but for people who do, I know a lot of girls that we work with would get a lot. And I just think there's a lot of people who may be, I don't know, they're just not happy in their own lives. And so therefore they try and take other people down. And, you know, sometimes I think, okay, well, why are they not happy in their own life? You don't know. You know, we, get, we sometimes get customers who come in to us and they have just been diagnosed with a critical illness. They have a family member who's just been diagnosed with something and they're angry and they're head up or whatever. And they, it seems like they're taking that all out on our team members. And I always say to our team members as well, you don't know what's going on in that person's life, but all you can control is how you react. How you react. Yeah. So take a few seconds, take a breather, treat them with compassion and care because hurt people hurt people, you know? People throw things at people and try and hurt them because they hurt themselves. Yeah. They are hurt themselves. You don't know what they, they're growing up in. You don't know their personal circumstances. You don't know the house that they're living in. You don't know what's going on in their life. But generally speaking, when somebody is so hurtful, it's something to do with them. Yes. You know, and it's because usually they're, they have been inflicted hurt upon. And so I try and kind of think, gosh, what type of person would say such a thing? Mm -hmm. You know, something must have really happened to them. Mm -hmm. Or, and, and I try and treat them with compassion and care. And then that helps you deal with it better and you can move on with your purpose. Otherwise you stop. I've seen, I've met loads of people who stopped because yeah. they got that but and that's know, hard. But if you're true to yourself, Caroline, and I think if you're true to yourself and you're authentic in everything that you're doing and you're not doing it for any other purpose than what you're actually saying, 
then you should be confident in yourself to say, you know, like one person out of 10,000 or 100,000, you've just said that you have, you know, that one person is just a tiny bit. What about all these other people who actually tell me that that was really useful? You really helped me there. Mm -hmm. You really helped my daughter, my son or whatever. Why would I let one other person stop what I know is useful for other people? Yeah. So it's just changing your mindset to that, I guess, yeah. and just being open about that. And honestly, just treating people like that with compassion, because I just think that, you know, they have been hurt. Something has happened. They're living in terrible circumstances. Maybe they have an illness. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? You know? I suppose the message there is don't let that be the reason that you don't shine, really, because exactly. your customer needs to hear about you. And this is how you're going to like the new way. And it's a great way now, isn't it? It's an online brilliant that you can get a message out there instantly. Yeah. Like it's yeah. fabulous. And there's a whole lot of talk around now, like artificial intelligence and people are scared and, you know, it's coming whether we're scared or not. And it's about learning to embrace it and, and to help yourself and that's a whole other topic and we do have a podcast um, all about artificial intelligence which I can link in the show notes but um, you know with all with nine pharmacies you have a, how many people work for you now? It's about 150, 160. That's a lot of people. Mm. So you were named and I'm just going to look at my notes best managed company for the ninth year. How do you mm. be a best managed company? Yeah. I know there's a lot of moving parts to that but yeah. what would you say is the overriding thing that makes you guys a great team yeah well i think it's all down to people like you know it's it's people and having a really clear purpose strategy vision um definitely it's our people i would say is the thing that sets us apart from others um and i think you know it's so we're part of that network it's deloitte best managed company and what they do is what why i love being part of that is because they have third-party people who come in and analyze what you're doing um, so they look at your finances, they look at your strategy, the innovation you're doing, your people, how, you know, how you're succession planning, how you're developing your people, your culture. And so you get a real good deep insight from, and the sponsors there are Deloitte, obviously, and Bank of Ireland. So you have coaches who take you through that process and that framework. So it's a really good way to shine a light on what are you doing to actually make sure that you're you're following best practice, I guess, and that you're always continuing to improve because every time that process comes around for those nine years, I want to make sure that we're moving ahead every year, you know, so we're constantly innovating, we're constantly doing more for our people, we're constantly looking at our strategy and seeing actually, can we develop it further? So it is about continuous improvements. I think that's the first thing. Plus then you're part of a network where you're hearing from other businesses, well, what are you doing around your people? They're sharing their stories and you go, gosh, I never thought of that. Maybe I could take a little bit of that as well. So it's actually about networking and learning best in class. Because we might be really good at social, as you say, but we might not be brilliant at, I don't know, like innovation sake. Yes. Yeah. But there's somebody else maybe who is in the tech world, who's part of that network, who's amazing at innovation and creating ideas and whatnot. We can learn from them. So it's, even though they're not in the pharmacy sector, there's plenty of learnings and insights you can take from other businesses um, from being around them. So being in part of any of these business networks is really, really important for me. And also just to have that third party looking in and seeing actually, well, this is a good over, overview of your company. And they're very honest feedback, very honest. Um, and it always shines a light on, you know, are we on track? And then just, it is, for me, it is all about people. Like, you know, I think business is all about people no matter what the business is. And people do business with people that they like, yeah? Um, so it's really important to have the right people in your business that are absolutely committed to where you want to go. 
and to the purpose. There's no point having people in our business that are not committed to actually improving customers' lives. Like, I mean, then, you know, they've just not been affected, like, you know? So it's really important to have the right people on board. And if that's the case, which I firmly believe it is in Mars, that is golden thread that connects us all, you know? So we're all committed to that goal. And then just having a strategy, I guess, a plan to get there. You know, what are we going to do this year to make this a little bit better for our customers? So I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors of the podcast, and that is B&L Productions. I have been so busy over the past few years, and when I've needed to make digital things happen, it's B&L Productions that I have always put my trust in. Like, I think of these guys as a one-stop shop for all things events, live and film. The team have worked with me on so many things, the social media content when I own my shop. They provided everything like from scripting, casting, storyboards, multitude of cameras, lighting, sound, editing, all the things that as a business owner aren't my expertise. And they also supported us in the Northern Ireland Social Media Awards that I'm the co-founder of. Like that night took my breath away. The lights, the PA, the camera feeds, the huge LED wall. I will never forget it. Like if it's a live streaming um, conferences for your work or or whatever your project is, like they bring all the kit, the microphones, the screens, they produce high-end TV ads, custom animations. They're just, they sort everything out in a hassle-free way. And like I've called them up with all my crazy ideas over the years. And do you know what? No idea is too big or too small or too ambitious. That's what I've learned about the team at B&L Productions. So if you are thinking of commissioning some new marketing videos or online content, I hand on heart recommend my friends at B&L Productions. I know they will look after you. And nurture. So you have the people. How do you, like, I, I, there's a lot of people have big teams and, you know, but how do you nurture them that they're your people? I mean, what do you do in Mars that makes you the place where they can keep that many staff? And I'm sure there's different people come and go, but in general, you've got a great team there. Would, would there be one overriding thing that you do to make it that team that you're so proud of? Yeah, um, I think it is. A, it's about engagement, just like the customers and engagement in terms of development of the strategy, but it's actually employee engagement. So... It's about, you know, having processes where you're sitting down with your team members and making sure you're listening to them, listening to their needs, their wants, and making sure we as a business can develop them, um, can, you know, bring them on their career journey as well, because it's very two-way, you know. Um, They know what we're committed to. They know what our strategy is. They know what our plan is for the year. So how does that fit around where they are at in their life as well? So it is all about... um, team engagement um, and seeing what because some of our team members without that process we would never know that they were really passionate about say diabetes or asthma or because mm-hmm. maybe somebody in their family who is you know has a particular condition so therefore they had a special interest in that but only whenever you sit down and have those one-to-one team engagement check-ins really you find out all of that information so it is about asking the questions getting the information and then getting them involved in things that, you know, are on our plan in a way, but you ordinarily wouldn't have found out about that only for those close one-on-ones. So, you know, we're committed to our people. We listen to them a lot. We train them a lot so that they're developing and that they feel that, well, me being in this business, I am growing them and developing. Because nobody wants to stay still. They always want to um, learn more skills. Um, and we have many people who move, you know, from maybe being in a store to online or into marketing or 
But we wouldn't know that unless we sat down and talked to them. Um, so it's having a very good team um, employee engagement programme where you're finding that information out and that their line managers are acting on that information then. They're listening and they're suggesting they may be putting them on a training and development plan, but also something could have come up in that conversation where there might be an opportunity that they could move across a different function as well. So, so it's about yeah, listening to our people really. Um, and I think from a recruitment point of view, it's really important to recruit on exactly what your values that your company is. So all of our questions that we would have in an interview process are based on those values. That's what we're looking for in a person. We're looking for that empathy, that customer focus, that willingness to try new things, a big focus on our community. We really give back to our community. So we want people to join choirs who really believe in community and the value of that. So once you kind of recruit people who have those skills, whether they have any pharmacy skills or not, mm -hmm. they might not have that, but at the core, that's what they believe in. Then you've got the foundation of, well, we can teach them the skills if they don't have the skills, do you know? And you hear that a lot from people now that they're not hiring for skill, they're hiring for values and attitude. purpose and attitude. And gone in the days when you used to go to work and you just, you know, your employer was just the man or the woman that paid your wages. And I think it is now about a team or the, the, the person that's the CEO or the director or whatever actually cares about their people. People expect that and need that and deserve that, don't they now? Absolutely. You spend so much time with them. I know, more time than anywhere else. Yeah, so it's so important that who is on your team is happy. And, and whether that's only one yeah. person, if it's only you and one other person, it's even, it's more, even, more, <laughs> even more important. Like I, whenever I was, I was telling you earlier, I had a shop and like I just started off with me and then I had one person. And if I was sick or if they were sick, the whole thing, you know, we, all, we, were, we really depend on each other's loyalty and support there. And if I, you know, and I look back now, I know more now than I did then. I'm like, was I the best that I could have been? I think we're learning all the time. Of course. And, yeah. you know, I wish I had a new things now. I'm like, oh, was I as sympathetic when, you know, they were trying to get to school to leave the kids off? And now I have kids, I know what they're going through. I wish I had a, done different things and made it more flexible. But look, I think there's a bigger conversation now that didn't happen years ago. Of course. People yeah. are so aware. The ways of work is completely different as well. You know. have two gorgeous children and nine pharmacies and a husband mm -hmm. and a mummy and daddy who live in Plumbridge and you live in Dublin. and big deep breath like but that's loads going on and there can be a lot of overwhelm in the world of business now isn't it things are so fast and and people i don't know like it just it's it's crazy the things we all have to go through especially as women and perhaps the main person as the you know that's maybe doing pickups and drop-offs and caring and stuff how do you manage all of that mentally um yeah. uh you know do you know like again like what you say like when i look back at what i was doing where i was at headspace when the kids were really young um I, th I think I now, you know, I, was, I just lived in a constant state of guilt, you know. I was guilty when I was at work because I wanted to be at home with them. And when I was at home with them, I was constantly looking at emails. and It was just guilt the whole time, right, like, you know. Yeah. But now I think, um, I think I've, I've got better perspective on that. So what I try to do is when I'm at work, you know, I'm at work fully present just for the team and I'm not getting distracted with that. And to, to do that, Caroline, you have to have support at home or support from other people to make sure that, you know, the children are being dropped or whatever, they're getting home safely or, or whatever's needed. So you need a good support system, I guess, to be fully present at work, it, particularly the hours that I work. And then when I'm at home, it's like I'm fully, I'm a mum and I'm there and I'm chatting to them. And, and how did you get to that place? 
Um, I said probably from making loads of mistakes, to be honest with you, and, and, and from the guilt. And one day, Cassie said to me, oh, uh, will you be working with Leighton Mullies again? And I said, no, because I used to have a, a childminder who could do longer on a Monday. So I'd try and cram in like loads of emails and work on a Monday and come home a bit later on a Monday. And she's like, oh, that's grand. Because me and Luca used to look out the window waiting for you coming home. And that was just like a dagger in my heart. And I was just like, oh, my God, when I think what I was doing in the office on a Monday for those last couple of hours and they're sitting looking out the window. And what did that matter? No, it didn't. It actually didn't. Mm -hmm. And I sort of thought, oh, God, if I could do it all over again, I would not do that. But sure, you only learn these things from those conversations. Do you know that? Yeah. So I met that moment when she said that. And she would never... Like it, I don't think it phased her. No, no, I, I know, it but it hurt you more than it was hurting her. It really uh, hurt me. I just started thought, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Do you know what? What? Why? Why are we doing all of this in the first place? You know, why do you get into business of put so much into it and everything? Really, when it comes down to it, and I've done lots of personal coaching myself, it's actually to give for them. them. It's for them, mm-hmm. and all they want is us. I know, and all they want is our time. So I, you know, we could have grown faster. We could have had more pharmacies, whatever. But actually, I want a quality of life where I'm showing up as a mum and I can put my head down the pillow. I'm not worrying about stress and about, you know, you know, cash flow and all this type of stuff or whatever, like I would have done at the earlier stages. Because in the grand scheme of things, you know, they matter more. Yeah, they they matter more to me. So, you know, I will compromise some of my business decisions to make sure that they're that, you know, that. I don't feel that guilt anymore. So I walked away from plenty of opportunities as a result of that. But I'm okay with that. That's the message. I think that's the message, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes you have to walk away. Sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you have to say not right now, because at this time, actually, my focus is here. Um, That's not to say it'll never be. That's not to say I'll never explore that and to keep the door always open. But right now, just for this moment in time, this is where my priorities are. And we know priorities change day to day. Of course. You know, and I want to spend more time with my mum and dad. Mm. I love giving back to Tyrone. Um, I want to spend more time with my children. So I've got a great team and only for them I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Otherwise I would be on emails to midnight. You know, I used to do that, but I've built a team now to take a lot of that pressure off me so that I actually can spend more time and mm. I can be a mum. Um, but I've learned that purely from the mistakes, purely from Cassie saying that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm so that glad she said that. I know, even though it was so hurtful at the time. I know, and I think that I think I think it's inevitable though that 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 path that you've just described happens for everyone. So there's going to be people listening, and they're in that stage of where you were when you used to work late on the Monday, and you're. Ch- but actually, that's just a wee bit of part of life of entrepreneurial journey. Like Absolutely. you can, if you hadn't built that at the start, would you have the freedom to do now what no. you're doing now? So I think I always try to say to people, don't feel guilty. Actually, as long as your kids are safe and healthy and happy in themselves, actually, they probably you're you're feeling worse than they are. Like you just said, hundred percent. Like I grew up, and my mom worked all of her life, and and she would say to me, "Oh God, I wish I hadn't done that." Whatever. But actually, only for her doing that, she taught me actually. You, a woman can do this, you know. She taught me the principles. You go in there now, you know, and you just, you know, sit down at that table and pull up the side or whatever. 
Because I seen her do. What did she do? What did she work at? So my mum, she was like an unbelievable woman and it still is. So she ran Dainty Fit Factory in Plumbridge. Oh, yes. Ma- Ma- it used to be a Dainty Fit in Dunganham, I think, was Little, there? Little Valley, Irvinstown and somewhere else, I'm not too sure. So she ran one of the manufacturing right. plants. They meant brows and knickers from yes. and Spencer's. They did, that yes. was my first job, modelling a four double A. On the front of the so what no, are you serious? I'm serious. Oh, we're going to have to get that picture <laughs> under wire bras for her. At the age of this, <laughs> whatever. Um, but she, um, yeah, so like there was about 200 women who were uh-huh. that. And, and like she was bringing women across the political divide. Wow. And in, in, in leave, you know, everything. It was the height of the trouble. Absolutely. Caroline. Yeah. And, you know, and I learned so much from her doing that. And when I look back now, I, you know, I never thought... Like there's no question, me building a business has been has come from that right. because I seen the energy in that factory floor with Mum. I seen what she could do, bring them together. One mission: this is what we're going to do, girls. We're going to get this quality product out of it. That's where you got it from. Door. And do you know what? I actually think that is where a lot of what I have. It's instilled at a very young age, even though I didn't recognise it at the time. Yes. But I remember collecting an award recently, and all I could think was. My mum, one day, they, they got this award for quality production. And like, obviously, they had factories, or Courtauld's it was. Courtauld's had factories in, across the UK and the north of Ireland. And I remember her winning some okay, not quality award and the girls were going to get a bonus or whatever for, for this. And her standing, so they used to have this canteen above it or whatever. And I happened to be in the factory that day. I don't know why. But I remember her, this was a bail or something that they rang. And, and her said, you know, bringing this and going, dearest. We won this with her, and I just remember the energy in the the whole thing. Getting shivers, and everybody just going, "Yeah, we did it! We did it! We did it!" And I like, and the moment I stood up to get that award that night, that's what came to my head. Oh my god! And I was like, this age, I was going, "Oh my god!" That had a huge impact on me. Mm -hmm. You know, just creating that of like they were a community and they were a team, and and just like you know, it didn't matter. You know, everybody was connected. You know, for one purpose. So, yeah, so I grew up seeing my mum and she has instilled that in me. So I know what I'm doing actually is having a positive effect on Cassie as well as that moment of her looking and I just picture her and look at holding hands. This was said we used to hold hands and look at them. God, going to make me cry and thinking of my children now sitting waiting on me at home. (laughs) But but I also know that, you know, she's, she's watching me and she's going, okay, like I can do this as well. You know, I can do whatever. So there's so much more positives than there is negatives. I know that because I, I've been that soldier. And I, you know, I, I've had that experience with my mum and dad. What's your mummy's name again? Elizabeth. Eliza. Eliza. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so if she's listening, then I, it'd be so lovely for her to hear. I'm sure you tell her anyway. It'd be so lovely for her to hear that, that that memory, because you never know what she's been thinking too through her years. Like, was I, like what you said, she just said, she wishes she hadn't done, but she's instilled in you everything that you are and our parents do mold us don't they absolutely i know 100%. and 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 thank some people you know have that positive experience some people don't i know but there's always that mentor or that guidance i think in everybody's life that keeps them on the on the right track, on the right track um yeah. oh my god we were talking and again and that's a whole other topic that i'd love to talk to you about too but um what is the future for mars so we talked i i said you we actually did a really good podcast there recently you know about artificial intelligence with an expert and stuff and that's maybe going to be aired by the time this is aired so people will have heard it but 
is that a buzz in the pharmacy world at the minute about AI? Is there yeah. um, anything going on that is futuristic or embracing like a new way of doing things? What's happening in that industry? And what are you guys doing to kind of look at that? Or oh yeah, I think AI is going to go across absolutely every mm -hmm. industry in every way. And I know people look at it from a fear point of view, mm -hmm. but actually it will take a lot of cumbersome tasks, I think, out of, you know, when I think of what we do in dispensaries and all of that, like AI can do robotics, it can do whatever, it can take the grunt work out of a lot of, um, you know, bits and pieces that we do. It can drive efficiencies, it can do lots of things so it can free up our people to actually interact with people. Like you said at the start. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it should be feared, to be honest with you. I think everybody should be looking at it with an open mind thinking, well, you know, we're never going to have to get away from people. Like people are always going to be required, but it might just mean that we actually do more meaningful work. Um, you know, people can connect better with other human beings that way. But I do think that AI will absolutely revolutionise um, healthcare. I think in terms of even diagnosis and screening and scans and everything like that. But that's good for patients. That is good. That is good for patients. So, you know, it's not to be feared, I don't mm. think, you know. Um, and it can also, in terms of diagnostics, it should be able to, we should be able to detect illnesses um, so much earlier and, and therefore get early interventions. So it's all about living a healthier, happier, longer life. For me, there's no point living very long if you're not ha healthy and all of that. So it's all about quality of life. Mm -hmm. um, and I think AI can actually be a game changer in that. So, you know, I'm going into it with a very open mind mm -hmm. and embracing it and thinking, well, you know, of course, we're going to still fit in this and some guys might be slightly different, but that slightly different is probably going to be a very positive thing for patients. Absolutely. Um, where it can release our skills. So, yeah, no. So I think, yeah, for our business, we're definitely still growing. Um, just want to be very strategic in that growth um, and um, you're looking to acquire, you know, other pharmacy businesses, a lot of pharmacists who are looking, they're exhausted after COVID actually. Um, and and there's a shortage of pharmacists around as well. So there are people looking to exit um, the pharmacy profession as well. So looking, we're looking to grow. We're obviously looking to really try and grow our online offering as well, not just in Ireland, but actually globally as well. Um, so we've customers, yeah, all over Ireland, but it's actually looking, how can we serve them better? Mm -hmm. What else do they need from us? What other categories? We focus a lot on vitamins and supplements and skincare and beauty bits, obviously. but. That whole digital health piece is, is big as well as like during COVID, we launched a digital GP service, a digital pharmacist, digital physio, would you believe, a digital podiatrist for your feet? Who knew that you could see mm -hmm. all of these healthcare professionals digitally? But you can. Um, and I think even post-COVID now, a lot of people like that accessibility. Mm -hmm. It's affordable, more affordable. And so we're really interested really in partnering and collaborating with anybody, anybody from any guys that actually improves the, the quality of life of patients. So, you know, I think for me, it'll be more collaboration, more partnership, um, and hopefully we can talk about more topics, whether it be female health, gut health, sleep, anxiety. There's so many other aspects of our health that we want to get into and talk about and shine a light on. 
Um, I'm trying to get Una to uh, embrace the podcast world. So they did do a podcast <laughs> and, and, and you know, imagine you as a host talking about, you're so passionate about each topic. Like there's something there. I definitely see that coming. <laughs> oh, do you think so? <laughs> I need another, another a robot of you to make it happen. But I mean, there's so much, like you said, the future is there's all these things oh, yeah. we need to connect with people and podcasts are a great way to do that. And also, I'm um, so excited to see just what yeah, comes. The next step is open line. I know, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And I think all businesses need, if you're not, changing and evolving you're standing still but your customers moving on yeah. and you need to do that too absolutely and um, you know and just always asking the customer what, what what more can we do what else matters to you because their needs and wants change at a great pace now you know so yeah. let's keep it up with that and, and being ahead of that predicting what's the next thing yeah so thank you so much for coming now That's una so drove the whole way from dublin to belfast two hours the crater night she didn't get fed in the lovely water yeah, it's lovely um but i don't and i say this to a lot of people i don't um underestimate the time for you to come up here and i don't take it for granted is really what i was trying oh, to say so okay. thank you for doing that you're very welcome uh, it's always great to be connected to another fellow toronto i yeah. know it is it is and we, we should stick together right absolutely 100 i am um, but thank you for being on the dig podcast and we'll see you in series eight for some more insight into what's happening in mars